welcome to Elder Health Connection, a podcast where I gather innovators in elder health care to discuss their unique perspectives on caregiving and care receiving. My name is Caroline Morris, and I use my combined experience in biochemistry, physical therapy, health coaching, and growing up next door to my grandparents to dig deep into the complexities of aging and then draw out practical solutions that can fit into your life. I record this show from my home in Alexandria, Virginia, sometimes with the input from my dogs, Vinny and Barry. Thank you for joining us today. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining me here on Elder Health Connection. I'm Caroline Morris, and today it is just me, no interviews today. And we are going to be talking about blood clots, also known as DVTs. Um, They are something that are very important to me. They are highly preventable, but also have high consequences if they do occur. So it's something I like to emphasize with my patients and when I'm training other physical therapists to make sure that we can prevent the preventable. So this will be part one where we'll go into a lot of detail to better understand what a blood clot is and why we need to pay attention to them. And then in part two, we will talk about preventing them and treating them. Just a word to get started. This can be a scary topic because blood clots can lead to death. So I just want to warn you ahead of time of that. But I like to think of the blood as something to have almost like a healthy reverence for. So most of the time, blood clotting is very beneficial for us. It keeps us from losing all of our blood when we injure ourselves. But when it doesn't work, that's when things can go wrong. So I like to think of it like water in a sense where water is essential for life, but some of water's behaviors can end life. It's similar with the blood. The blood is absolutely essential for life, but there are times when things can go wrong and it can in fact end our lives. So we'll start kind of at the beginning of what we're talking about here. So everything we're talking about today has to do with the veins, blood in our venous system. And our veins are what carry blood back to the heart. They are blue in color. You can usually see them through your skin, either by color or their shape and size. And the ones you see through your skin are what are called our superficial veins, meaning they're close to the surface. Where things are problematic and blood clotting is in our deep veins. So those are things you cannot see from the surface of your skin. And another name for a blood clot is a deep vein thrombosis. Thrombosis meaning just a clot in a specific location and clot, meaning blood that has become solid. It's probably the simplest way of stating it. So why do these clots form? Like I said earlier, clotting is a normal process when there's injury. So we don't want our liquid blood to flow freely out of our veins every time they're injured. So a normal clotting process would 
clog up the hole, prevent things from flowing out, and then allow the body to repair itself. Where things go wrong is when that normal clotting response becomes exaggerated instead of just a tiny clot forming. Sometimes the whole vein itself, all of the blood in there can become solid. So when does that happen? It often can happen when the vein, the deep vein itself is injured. So normally those veins being so deep in the body aren't at risk of injury, but that can happen when a bone is broken, there's severe muscle injury or a major surgery. So where I've seen them often in my practice as a physical therapist in the hospital is after a total knee replacement, especially if someone had deformities in the knee before surgery. So the surgery itself was a little bit more involved. Some injury to the vein can happen there. Fractures or breaking of the lower leg, I've seen it. So we call them um, tib-fib fractures for the tibia and fibula, the two bones in the lower leg. The vein can be injured there as well. Other causes that would increase your risk of a developing a DVT is where the blood flow slows down. So it's hard to develop a clot if the blood is moving quickly. You can almost think of, again, water flowing. Things go well. If water stagnates, then you start to get, you know, scum and growth. Not a perfect analogy, but similar things can happen in the blood where when it stagnates, that's when you're more likely to clot. So again, there are cases in the hospital where this is common. If patients are on bed rest and aren't moving their limbs in the bed, if they're in a cast or a brace in their leg or arm, and if they are um, sitting for a long time, especially if their legs are crossed. I've seen this happen with people who have long airplane rides with their legs crossed. Also patients who do long cross-country car trips with minimal breaks. I've seen some, um, deep vein thrombosis or blood clots happen there. I even had one patient once who, was recently retired and he decided that he had worked all his life and he had earned the right to just sit on the couch in his retirement and he hardly moved and he actually got blood clots in both of his legs. We think just from sitting on the couch. Paralysis can be another reason for low blood flow in a leg and that can be from a variety of causes. It could be a spinal cord injury, a stroke, other neurological conditions. So again, the goal is to allow the blood to flow where possible because blood sitting can cause those clots. There are hormonal factors as well, specifically with estrogen that can increase our risk of clotting. And if we think about the role of estrogen in pregnancy and in postpartum, it kind of makes sense why this would lead to a higher clotting profile because blood loss or hemorrhage during childbirth is 
a very big problem. So it makes sense in a way that the body would want to clot more at that time to prevent the mother from bleeding out. Now, where this can be um, impactful still outside of pregnancy and childbirth is people who are taking birth control pills or hormone replacement therapy after menopause, that extra estrogen may increase their clotting risk. There are other medical conditions that increase clotting risk, probably the most prominent one being cancer. People tend to have a a bigger clotting profile with cancer and its treatment. So if that is you, it would be a good idea to talk with your oncologist about that. But it can also occur with heart disease, lung disease, and inflammatory bowel disease. And then a few other factors to keep in mind are if you've had a blood clot in the past, you are more likely to have a second one. And it's about a 30 to 33% chance in the next 10 years that you would develop one again. Family history plays a role. There's some genetic components where people are just more likely to clot than others. Age plays a role where the older we are, the more likely we are to get a blood clot. Um, Obesity can play a role as well. And especially in the arm, if you have a catheter or some sort of medical device in a vein in your arm um, or coming in kind of through the chest or neck, that can increase your, your risk there. So why do we care about all of this? You know, it's just blood clotting in a vein. What's the big deal? So usually when it's in the vein, it's not such a big deal. The problem is if that clot then travels and where it ends up. So if you remember back to your biology classes or life science classes from your school days, our veins, our deep veins come together the closer we get to the heart. So from the lower body, they merge together into what's called the inferior vena cava. And from the upper body, they merge together in what's called the superior vena cava. Those are our largest veins. And they go directly into the heart in the area called the right atrium. So the right atrium is where the first entry point into the heart from the rest of the body. The blood then moves from the right atrium to the right ventricle. The ventricle is the pump. So when the heart beats, the right ventricle then pushes the blood into the pulmonary arteries, which lead to the lungs. And once it's in the lungs, those vessels become smaller and smaller. So that oxygen can pass to and from the blood vessels. It's called gas exchange where our blood picks up oxygen, drops off carbon dioxide. Then the pulmonary system moves the blood back to the heart into larger vessels going into the left side of the heart. So what can happen if a blood clot travels If it leaves our deep veins, 
makes its way into the right side of the heart. The only place after that to go is into the lungs. And as you can imagine, that could be a problem if there's a blockage or a clot in our lungs. So once that clot has moved, the technical term changes from thrombus, a clot in place, to embolus, a clot on the move. And then when it's in the lungs, it's called a pulmonary embolism. So a blockage from a moving part that has ended up in the lungs. And it's here where size really matters. So if it's a tiny, tiny clot that has traveled, it may cause some symptoms. It may be uncomfortable, still worth getting medical attention, but it's not going to be a life-threatening condition. Now, the bigger the clot gets, the more problematic it is. So there are cases where so much of the venous system has clotted that it's like a like a hot dog or a snake-sized clot that then moves through the heart into the lungs and blocks the entire blood supply to the lungs. And that's the case where um, the person experiencing it typically gets a sense of impending doom is how we term it, where they know something very, very bad is about to happen, and then they take their last breath and do, do pass away from that traveling blood clot. There are There is a whole spectrum in between of sizes and severity of outcome from there. Okay, so what you can do to recognize if you're having a blood clot or if someone close to you is having one is to look at the leg. And I talk more about the leg, it's better researched. And those are the clots that tend to have worse outcomes that can happen in the arms too, but it's far less researched and tends not to be as serious if those clots occur. So things that should catch your attention are if the leg is swollen, if it's hot, um, if it's painful, especially along the middle of the leg in the back, and you have some of the risk factors that we talked about before, recent surgery, not moving much, injuries to the vein, um, cancer, family history, things like that should all get you thinking or perhaps concerned that there could be a blood clot in the leg. And it's a good idea to get medical attention if you have any suspicion that that could be happening for you. Now, things to look out for for pulmonary embolism when it's gone to the lungs, because sometimes there just are no symptoms that there's a clot in the leg. So some people's first indicator is when it has already traveled to the lung. And those would be things like rapid heartbeat, breathing really quickly, chest pain, irregular heartbeat, coughing up blood, lightheadedness or fainting, 
Now, any of those things that could be a pulmonary embolism or PE, you should be seeking emergency care for anyway. So as I was trained in screening for these different things, there was a lot more attention put on accurate screening for DVT than there was, or deep vein thrombosis, blood clot in the leg, than there was for pulmonary embolism. The instructors telling us, you know, you don't want to waste the time to try to figure out if it's a pulmonary embolism. If someone's having these symptoms, they need to get emergency care as quickly as possible, regardless of what the cause is. So again, anything like difficulty breathing, fast or irregular heartbeat, chest pain, especially with a deep breath or coughing, coughing up blood, lightheadedness, fainting, those are all reasons to go to the emergency department regardless of the cause. And then once you pursue medical care, either entering through the emergency department with any of those symptoms or consulting with your physician if they're less concerning symptoms, your physician can then perform a series of tests to see if this is in fact what's going on. So there is our overview of blood clots in the veins, also known as deep vein thrombosis or DVT, how they could travel to the lungs, which is known as pulmonary embolism or PE. And then together, if you want the full medical term now, it's called venous thromboembolism. VTE is the combined term for this whole continuum of conditions. So I know it's a heavier topic, but it is important because it is preventable. It is high stakes. We are in winter now. There's a lot of travel coming up for some of us. So I'd like us all to be aware of this condition as we move into the winter holidays. And you can join me again next week for more information on how to prevent a blood clot from happening in the first place and then what the pathway for treatment looks like if it does happen to you. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope you have a great week. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and does not create a provider-patient relationship between us. If you have questions about your health, please speak to a qualified health professional. If you would like to learn more about working with me as your qualified health professional, please visit carolinemorris.com. Did you know that gratitude is good for your health? If you found value in this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a rating or review. To keep the connection going, subscribe to Elder Health Connection on your favorite podcast player to get immediate access to upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening. With love and gratitude, Caroline.